was a kid, I loved snow. I did. I would, back in pre-internet days where you actually had to watch the news at like 6 and 11, and I would watch and pray that it would snow. But then I became a pastor, and, uh, and, and, and snow and I have a love-hate relationship. I love it when it snows, except on Saturday nights. In fact, that's a pastor's worst nightmare is snow and ice on Saturday night or Sunday morning, especially in the South, because the fact that it's snowing this weekend means that people are going to miss church for the next three weeks because they, they've got their bread and milk, which I still don't understand. You're going to have a milk sandwich or whatever. But um, that it's, I used to, I, and so this week when I was watching the weather forecast and it was calling for snow, I was like, ah, oh, I mean, come on, God, if you could just move, I, I know you're all powerful. If you could move the low pressure system this way. And um, God said, no. And so I had this whole other message prepared, and, um, and I started thinking about the storm. And I started thinking about how everybody in this room or everybody watching online, that you're, you're in one of three places. You, um, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm. All of us in this room have gone through storms. Some of us are in storms. Storms are something that all of us experience, not just outside, but inside our hearts and inside our minds. So I went back to the very first passage of Scripture I ever preached on, Matthew chapter 14, Jesus walking on the water. Now, you'll be, um, you'll be interested to know that that sermon, the whole sermon, the entire sermon was seven and a half minutes long. Um, that's not going to happen. I, I, I don't have a clock. We're we going to go for two hours. But, but it was seven and a half minutes long. And so I went back to that passage of Scripture, and there were so many things in there that stood out to me in regards to storms. I said, you know, I've, I've got to put a pause on, because we were kind of going through John. We'll hang out with um, him again in, in two weeks. John chapter 5 is going to be fascinating. But tonight, or this morning, whenever you're watching this, I want to talk to you about storms. And I want to start out with a question, but I don't want you to answer it because <laughs> this is second chance and I'm, I'm afraid of the answers that I would get. Normally I'd do a, a hand raise, but let me just ask a question and don't, don't answer out loud, just, just keep it to yourself. Here's the question. You ever been high? I said keep it to yourself. I mean, my God, can you... Have you ever been hot? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like you, you had a, a good day. I'm talking there was an illegal substance used in some way, shape, form, or fashion, and you were, you were high. Now, I, I've, never, I'm, I'm, I've never been high. Uh, obviously, I've been drunk, but I have never been high. And, but I do, know, I do know that there's a difference. I do know there's a difference. Um, I've never been, let me, let me take that back. I've never been high from something illegal, but I did, the last time I got high, was when I got my colonoscopy. Now, that's a whole nother story in and of itself. But they, they gave me, I was nervous about it. I was nervous because they told me about the procedure and I'm, I was like sweating and everything. And my doctor, she told me, she said, you're going to love the drugs they give you. And I was like, oh, you get drugs? This is amazing. Okay, great. So I go in this room and this woman is having a conversation with me about yoga. I still remember this. Um, and the doctor said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some medicine. Count backwards from 10. And I went 10. And that's the last thing I remember. And I woke up 
after, after a colonoscopy, okay? I woke up and I was happier than I had ever been in my life. I was so happy. I was the happiest person in the world. I was like, hey guys, because there was people, how are y'all doing? I said, when can we go home? And they're all looking at me, we're going, we had this conversation an hour ago. I was like, let's do it again. And so we, they explained everything. I got to my house and a friend had bought, brought me a chicken biscuit from Chick-fil-A. And I was like, this is the best day. I love Chick-fil-A. I love Christian chicken. I love people. I mean, I was, I was happy. I went downstairs, I listened to some music, I was happy, I lay down, I took a nap, I was happy, I woke up and the, and, and the pain medicine were off. Now I wasn't happy anymore because the high wore off, you know what I'm talking about? When the, the high wears off, some people you, you don't know about that, you just have to talk to a friend, but the, but the high wears off. Now, let's go back to, to when I was high legally, okay, let's go back to, to that. When I was high, would you agree with me that that's not a great time to make like life-changing decisions? Like when I came home and I was just so happy, would it have been a wise thing for me to call like um, my, a real estate broker and say, I think I want to buy a house, yes or no? No, because you don't make decisions like that when you're high. Would it have been a great decision um, if I had called my investor and said, hey, I want to make some investment decisions, yes or no? No, because I'm high and it's not great. If, if, you're, if you're single, if you're single and you're high, is that a great time to make a dating decision, yes or no? No, okay, like that's what happens in Vegas. You go, you meet somebody, you wake up, you're married. Okay, that, that really does happen. It's not great to make decisions when we're high. The same thing can be said spiritually. I love being spiritually high, and everybody in the room knows what it's like to be high spiritually. If, if you've walked with Jesus, you've had a great day or a great week or a powerful quiet time, or a, you've listened to a great message or a podcast, or you've experienced a great church service, and you know what it's like to be spiritually high. I love to be spiritually high. I love it when Jesus is at work in my life. I love it. But when we're spiritually high, that's not the best time to make life-changing decisions. And I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm going to prove it to you by, by pointing out a few things in a very, very popular story about Jesus. In fact, this story may, makes, in some way, makes its appearance in all four Gospels. It's Jesus walking on, on the water. But we need to set up what happened. Um, so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 14 if you're following along in your Bible. Here we go, Matthew chapter 14. Immediately after this, okay, let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about, see, I can't even get through a verse. I'm so excited. When, when, when you read, when you read something like this in the Bible, immediately after this, you got to ask yourself, what is this? What happened right before this? Well, the thing that happened right before this is the miracle of all miracles. Jesus fed 5,000 men, when you add the women and children in there, you got 15, 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Now, the disciples had been following Jesus for a while, and, and, and 
sometimes they were, had a good time following Jesus because he was, he was drawing crowds and, you know, they weren't teaching, but they were with the guy that was teaching. Like, they weren't the preacher, but they were on staff. And so they were getting a little recognition. And every once in a while, Jesus would go somewhere and he would get in some trouble and, and they would get in trouble too. They still weren't quite sure who he was and nobody had ever seen a miracle like this. This was a miracle of epic proportions. I mean, they were like, oh my gosh, this guy's legit. He just fed 20,000 people with, with a happy meal, all right? Th th this is absolutely amazing. And they were thinking, I'm pretty sure, we have arrived. This is it. He's going to set up a kingdom right here in the northern area of Israel and Galilee, and we're going to feed people, and, and Peter's probably over here, got a selfie stick, taking pictures with some people, and Andrew, like, they're all super excited about this because they weren't the ones that did the miracle, but they got to participate in the miracle, and they're, they, they are spiritually high. They are like, this is awesome, and Jesus calls a meeting. And Peter's like, hold on, I'm, I, there's a line here of people that want to get their picture with me. Jesus is like, yeah, 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 come, come here, come, come here. The Bible says Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Now, if you're a disciple, you're ticked because these people, 20,000 people, Jesus, and the, and the miracle, and the, and the bread, and they're ready to make you king, and, and, and you're, we're not going to be king, but we're going to be like vice kings, or we're going to be like, we're, we're on your team. This is amazing. They, they were getting discovered. People were looking at them. People were like, oh my gosh, you're with Jesus. There must be something special about you. And Jesus, after one of the greatest miracles, up until this point, it was the greatest miracle he had ever performed. He tells the guys who think this was their breakthrough moment, they're on a spiritual high unlike they had ever experienced. Jesus said, yeah, I need for you to get back in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. And if you're one of the disciples, you're like, well, there's no people on the other side of the lake. Like, you're taking away all of our attention. You're taking, you're, you're taking away... You're, you're, you're taking something away from me, Jesus. Do you, do you know that God loves you so much that sometimes he'll take something away from you? Because we'll get to the storm in just a little while. Yeah, 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 they're going to go through a storm. But, but the storm on the shore that they would have gone through would have been worse than the storm they were going to go into. I mean, they, they were going to be tempted by pride. They were going to be tempted by maybe we are, maybe we're like really awesome, incredible people when they didn't actually do the miracle. So Jesus said, I need to remove you from a tempting situation. So I know you're high right now. I know you think you've arrived. I know you think this is awesome, but I need for you to go somewhere else. And on your way there, I'm going to teach you something about me that I could not teach you on the shore. So I need for you to get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake, and, and they, are, they are ticked. Who does he think he is? Jesus Christ? Well, actually, he is. You know, it's, just, it's, just, it's kind of crazy. And so, so they, they, they're going, 
out on the boat. And, and the Bible says this. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Now, I, this passage, by the way, by the way, if the world ever gets to normal again, somewhat normal, kind of normal, semi-normal, and they ever open up travel again, I, I will do another trip to Israel. I, I want to go over there so bad again. I love the place. I love the people. I love the food. Um, it's all amazing. But one of the most unbelievable places over there is, is this place right here. I, I, when, when I was first taken to this place where they believed that Jesus would have gone to pray, here's what's amazing, and we'll come back to this. It's overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and there's literally nowhere on the sea that you can't see from this place. And my God was, he was teaching us that even when the disciples were in the middle of the storm, they were never out of the sight of Jesus. He saw them in the middle of their storm. I just cried. It was so overwhelming, but that's not even the point. So anyway, he, why, why did he go up into the hills to pray? I, I was scratching my head for the longest time going, why didn't he just go with the disciples? Well, we're told in the scriptures multiple times that he was fully God and fully man. We're also told that he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So if this crowd of people were a temptation to the disciples, then it would have been a temptation for Jesus as well. So, so Jesus had to go up, get by himself, by himself, and connect with his father. It's, it's not like, when it comes to relationship, let's talk about PDA for a minute. You know what PDA is? Public display of, display of affection. I, I'm not against PDA a little bit. Like some couples, I'm like, dear God, get a room. You know, but, but I, I love, like, like when Shannon, my wife, when she holds my hand, I, I am smiling. In fact, I'll tell you a little, little secret. Um, she held my hand first. She did. It was great. I could take you to the place um, where it happened. I, I, my heart started beating fast. I broke out in a cold sweat. You know, I, like, I love PDA. And, and that's kind of like what church services are. Church services are like PDA. But like we, we get in here and we'll get our praise on. And, and that's great. But there's a difference between PDA and intimacy. PDA is for other people to see. Intimacy is for you and you alone to experience. And if there's, a, if there's a couple that experiences intimacy, over time, the woman gets pregnant, and soon afterwards, she starts to show. She don't have to tell you what she did, because she's showing, which is what happens to us when we spend intimate time with God, and he does something in our lives, powerful. We don't have to tell other people about it. Over time, it'll just start showing and people will start recognizing that something is happening in us that's supernatural, that we couldn't come up with it on our own. So Jesus is in 
the hills spending time with his father, which is just a great place to pause and ask the question, are you intentionally spending time with Jesus every day? I'm not asking that question to make anybody feel, I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes. It, or here's, here's another question. What will you start doing to intentionally spend time with Jesus every day? Because that's where the personal growth is going to come in. And hey, if Jesus was fully God and fully man and he needed time to reconnect with the Father, so do we. So, so Jesus goes in the hills, the disciples are in the boat, and all of a sudden, we see, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. <laughs> Far away from land, which is not where you want to be if you're in a boat in a storm. Far away from land. For a strong wind, a strong wind, a strong wind, hold on to that for a little while. We're going to circle back to that. Had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, this is no secret. I've confessed this before, and many of you, you would have the same confession. In fact, some of y'all, you, you might be wrestling with this right now. I used, to, I used to struggle with a little bit of legalism. You ever struggle with that? Anybody ever struggle with legalism? Where you look at somebody, and they're going through something, and it's bad, and this is what you go. It's just... It's just sin in their life. They're just getting punished. It's the sin in their life. No, no, no. They're good people. I know these people. They're good. My response was always, it's probably secret sin. Probably just secret sin. That's the reason they're going through something like that. We've all had that thought when we see somebody going through something. But, but, and because we've heard things like this. If you follow Jesus, if you'll say it's, it's the safest place to be, it's the best place to be, and nothing bad will ever happen to you as long as you follow Jesus. The only problem with that is when we study the lives of the people that followed Jesus. I'm going to ask a question. It's an easy answer. Who sent them into the storm? Jesus, where in the world did we ever get the idea that, that Jesus is a happy pill? Jesus sometimes will send us into a storm because in the storm is the only place that some of us can learn. And so they didn't get, now let me pause. Sometimes we cause our own storms. Dear, I mean, I have met with people that got in a car, like they, they went on the weather app, found out where the tornado was, got in their car, drove right into the middle of an F5 tornado, blew up their lives, and they're like, how could God let this happen to me? Okay, let's just back up. Like, <laughs> you did that. You, some people, we, we, we drive into our own storms. But they were following Jesus. They were doing everything right. They were checking the boxes, and they wound up in a storm. And they're probably asking themselves, ah, he, he did say get in the boat, right? He did say, to do, he did say anybody, anybody know where he is? Check, check and see if he's got his, find my iPhone on. 
because we know Jesus would have had an Android. We check and see if, if check and see if if he's got his five iPhone. You know, like they're they're wondering where Jesus is. They're, and I'm saying this because you might be here and you're in the middle of a storm. And when you get in the middle of a storm, that's when the enemy can step in and start to tell you things like. Yeah, you're probably not on the right track. You're not doing the right thing. He can mislead you. But one more time, let me point out, the reason they were in the storm is because they were following Jesus. Where in the world did we ever get the idea that the man who said, pick up your cross and follow me was calling us into a life that was easy? Where in the world did we ever get the idea that that he would call us into a life that we could somehow make it through that life without him. So, so they're, they're fighting. There's a strong wind. Did I tell you all to remember that? Yeah. yeah, okay. My ADD meds are wearing off, so it's a little later in the day. We're fine. Now, verse 25 says, about 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> three, that's, like, that's like Waffle House time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Waffle House, 3 o'clock in the morning. If you ever been at Waffle House at 3 o'clock in the morning, yeah, you watched online the next day because I know what you were doing at 3 o'clock in the morning at Waffle House, all right? See, I know my people. I know my people. About 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, in the, in the King James Version, this actually says in the fourth watch of the night. So it could have been somewhere between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. So Jesus sent them out in the evening. And then sat on the mountain and he's praying and he can see him in the storm. But why did he wait so long? Have you ever been, have you ever gotten through a storm and you've been on the other side of it and, and you're thankful for what you learned in the storm, but you're thinking, man, that'd have been so much better if you would have shown up a, a little bit earlier. Jesus. Three o'clock in the morning, that, that, that he could have came at any time, but he came at the darkest point of the night. And do you think after these, out of the 12 disciples, by the way, seven were experienced fishermen. So when the storm first hit, they probably thought, we know what to do. We got this. But after fighting the wind and the waves and the rain, do you think they were just about ready to give up, yes or no? Yeah. Absolutely. So Jesus waits on these men to understand, if we don't get some help, we're not going to make it through this. By the way, me personally, I have learned the hard way that sometimes the storms in our lives are nothing more than opportunities for us to rediscover how much help we actually need in life. If it, wasn't for the, if it wasn't for the help of Jesus, the storm that, killed, that was supposed to kill me would have killed me. But it didn't because he showed up, not in my time, but in his time. And he showed up in a way I wasn't expecting him to show up. They, they saw him walking on the water. Now, I got I to gotta be honest with you all. I was a Christian for about six months. I was at the lake with some friends. I was like, I, I'm going to try this. 
I really did. I was like, how much? It didn't work. I, I literally, I was like, prayed and I stepped. I, I've never walked, I don't, I don't, I've never water skied. I've never even gotten close. And so, so when they saw him walking on the water, this, this was their response. When, when they saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Notice the exclamation point. Um, that, now, one of the things that bothers me is when you hear people teach on this passage and they preach about the past and they try to tell you what they would have done if they would have been there. You ever, you ever met that? I don't know why they said it's a ghost. If I'd have been there and seen my Savior walking on the water, I would have said, worthy is the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. No, you wouldn't have. You would have issed your pants just like everybody else in the boat had done. That because, because Jesus shows up walking. Jesus showed up in a way, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this because this is good. Jesus showed up in a way they had never seen him before. See, sometimes he takes us through the storm so we can see him in ways that we've never seen him before. And whether we caused the storm or the storm came upon us, start looking around because Jesus always shows up in the middle of the storm. Hey, let me just be honest with you. Had I not gone through my storm five years ago, I would not know that Jesus can deliver you from addiction. I would not know that Jesus heals. I would not know that Jesus is into this thing called restoration. Jesus is all about it. But I wouldn't know that if I'd read it in a book. I only know it because he brought me through the storm. He will bring you through the storm and reveal something about himself to you that you would have never learned had you not experienced the storm. So they're freaking out. They, they don't, they, and, and, and let's be fair, it's windy, it's rainy, they're on a boat, they see him. But have you ever seen somebody and you couldn't see it, you couldn't make out who they were because they were far away and, and none of them had their bifocals on? Today we call them progressive lenses. That's what I wear. Thank you very much. I'm pro that's progressive lenses. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Let me pause. Jesus always speaks in the storm. He always speaks in the storm. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. If you go back, little, little, little nerd Bible nugget here. If you go back to the original text, he said, take courage, I am. That's all he said, I am. You go back to Exodus 3.14, when Moses asked God, what's your name? God just said, I am. So Jesus right here is saying, I'm God. I, I just thought that was cool. Um, anyway, back to the story. Jesus spoke to them at once. Now, he, think about this for a second. He just spoke to them. He could, they could hear him but they couldn't really see him. They could, they could hear him when they couldn't really see him clearly. They couldn't see him clearly, but they could hear him. How, how could they hear him? Well, what I, I tell y'all to remember? What element did I tell y'all to remember earlier? The wind. Y'all remember the wind? In the wind, in the New Testament, the wind many times is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. 
So the wind carries the word. Had it not been for the wind, they don't hit. Dear, I just got a cold chill. I don't, I, and I don't think it was that. But the wind carried the word. When we get in the middle of the storm, the spirit brings in the word that we need to hear. When I was going through my struggle um, several years ago, I can remember very clearly where I was. Um, I was lifting weights. I was working out. And I was praying. And I was complaining and crying. And, and, and God spoke. Listen, it's the closest thing to an audible voice I've ever heard. He spoke one word to me. Persevere. It was so powerful, I literally dropped on a, on a knee and just, I couldn't, I couldn't move. It, 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 that word was burned into my mind. And I was like, persevere through what? <laughs> I didn't know it was coming. But do you know that word? Every time I was in the middle of my storm and I wanted to give up, persevere persevere, persevere. Here's a little note. I'm not God's favorite child. I am a child. I'm not his favorite child. All I'm saying is if he spoke that word to me in the storm, if you're in the middle of the storm, start looking for him and start listening for him because he's going to show up and he's going to speak. He always does. That storm's not going to kill you. In fact, some of you are here tonight, and you're here because you went through a storm. And in the, at one point in the storm, you wanted to give up. But Jesus showed up, and you saw him, and he spoke to you, and it should have killed you. you didn't, but you didn't just survive it. You were thriving out of it. But then we get in the middle of another storm and we get amnesia and forget all the storms that he's actually brought us through. Sometimes we just need to stop and say, God, thank you for that time. You brought me through that situation. If you brought me through that, you'll bring me through this. He's faithful. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He will always follow through. If you're in the middle of the storm, Jesus, you're not there because Jesus wants to destroy you. You're there because he wants to, to deliver you. Not from it through it. So, so he said, take courage. I'm here. Now, here's what's funny. Jesus said, it's me. If you ever want to feel better about yourself, and many of you heard me say this many times, all you got to do is go to the Bible, read about Peter. We're going to talk about him next week at baptism. If you feel like you're the biggest screw up in the world, just go read about Peter. Because Jesus said, it's me in the very next verse. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, it's me. Is it you? Dear God. Jesus probably went, dear me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, Peter was an experienced fisherman, and Jesus is walking on water, and he's wrestling in a crisis of faith moment. This is what he knows. This boat is going down. That man is standing. I would rather stand with Jesus 
in uncertainty than to certainly sink in this boat. So, so Jesus, if it's you, if it's you, I, and we, we've been told not to do this, but I, I'd do it all. God, if you really want this to happen. Now, don't do something stupid like make two squirrels run through my living room, okay? Because that, if, you, if, if we had a Belton campus, that could probably happen, all right? But, but that's, I'm not saying ask God for a crazy sign, but Peter's asking, God, I just need to know it's you. I just need some confirmation. There's nothing asking, wrong for asking confirmation. If it's you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And, and, then, and then Jesus said, come. Jesus called him out on it. This is the prayer that I mentioned earlier. That's, that's the God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Just get me out of this storm. And Jesus goes, okay. Called him on it. The wind carried the word to Peter. Peter hears a word. And here's what's fascinating. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. I can't even imagine what that scene was like. Can you imagine the other disciples? They're sitting there and he's, they're going, this is, this is the worst idea he's ever had. This is horrible. Think he's going to make it, Thomas? I doubt it. <laughs> doubt it. Judas is over here trying to figure out how to sell tickets and make money on it. I mean, it's just, they're all kind of messed up. And, and Peter is, he's walking on the water and he's walking toward Jesus. But this next verse, now y'all, this is how, have y'all ever heard the term fresh bread? Yeah. This is fresh bread. I didn't get this until this morning when I was studying through this text. Okay, this blew my mind. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Okay, now we, if you've been in church for a little while, you've heard that, right? But don't miss this. When he saw the strong wind, y'all listen. I got some great glasses. I have never seen wind. Oh, hey, Pastor P. No, remember that high question I asked to start the message with? Yeah, you, and then you went to Waffle House at 3 a.m., all right? So that, I, you, you've seen the effects of it, but you've never seen it. You have never seen wind. You've seen what it can do, but you've never seen it. So I'm praying through this, this morning, just this morning going, he saw, what, how do you, how do you see something that, that's there, but you can't really see it? Then I thought, well, maybe he was looking for it. Maybe he was looking for something. Maybe he was looking for something that would sabotage him. Maybe he was looking for something that would tear him down. Maybe he was looking for something that would drown him. And he had to start thinking, is that the wind? Is that the wind? And his negative thought pattern 
took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink. There are sinking saints in this room and watching online, and the reason you're sinking is because of the negative thought patterns in your own mind. You can't handle a compliment. Somebody tells you something nice about you, and you will not believe it. You shut it down. Somebody tells you you look nice, you don't believe it. Somebody tells you you're smart, you don't believe it. Somebody tells you you're strong, you don't believe it. Do you know, I, I read the other day, I'm not, I, I, don't ask me where I found, it was just a podcast, I listened to like 70 a week, and so I'm not, but there was a guy the other day talking to psychologists, he said some people have up to 20,000 negative thoughts a day about themselves. And there are people in this room sinking in the middle of a miracle because you're telling yourself, nothing this good could happen to me. I don't deserve this. And you'll see things that aren't really there and talk yourself out of a miracle that Jesus wants you to experience. The biggest battle in the Christian life is the battle for our minds. I, years ago, I, I memorized a verse, I, I, and I memorized it in the NIV 1984 edition, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about those things. Think about those things. Think anytime I get all worked up about myself, I have to take myself to that verse. So Peter Peter's fighting this battle, and he was terrified, but he got the prayer right. You know, Peter got a lot of stuff wrong, but this prayer, have you ever heard somebody pray, and it was so, like, magical and powerful, you're like, I should never pray again. I was at a funeral one time, and a pastor got up, and he delivered this prayer, and it was so powerful, and it was like, he, like he knew, like this guy, he was like 80-something years old. He walked with Jesus. He had white hair, kind of looked like God. It, I mean, he just, and he prayed in such a way, and like I didn't want to pray afterwards. I, I was like, ditto, that, that was my prayer because it was so, and you hear people pray, and it sounds so wonderful and so powerful. You're like, I could never do that, but, but, but you can do this one. Do you know a lot of people? that I know personally, even myself at times, we have drowned because we refuse to ask for help. We drown. It's this thing called pride. (laughs) It got Satan kicked out of heaven and will earn us cuts in the line of hell. Pride. It's a dangerous thing. Peter threw it all aside. He said, Lord, save me. Jesus, what's, let's say this word on three. One, two, three. Do do you know, Jesus didn't, see, that's where I'd have been like, I don't know, man. I don't know. You thought you were big and bad while you were taking selfies with the people on the hillside. Why don't, can you doggy paddle? Can you swim? Can you, I mean, but, but the Bible says as soon as Peter cried out, immediately, He reached out his hand. Now, let me ask you a question. Did the storm stop? 
No. The difference is he's holding on to Jesus. And if he's holding on to Jesus, he's not going to sink. Immediately, he reached out and grabbed him. Immediately. As soon as he cried for help. Somebody needs to hear this. As soon as you cry for help, Jesus doesn't say no when we cry. Now, the help might come in a way we don't expect it, but he always shows up. So he reaches out and he says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Now, I've got, I got a what if scenario with this. What if Jesus wasn't talking to Peter? What if he, because Peter actually walked, there, there's 11 disciples in the boat. What if holding on to Peter's hand, Jesus is looking to the other disciples going, you have so little faith. That's a possibility. I'm just throwing it out there. But there might be somebody here and you're like a Bible purist. No, no, he was talking to Peter. Okay, well, let's go with that. He was talking to Peter. Peter walked on water with a little faith. Not great faith, not incredible faith, little faith. What could God do in our lives if we just had a little faith? See, this is only Matthew chapter 14. Peter confesses Jesus as Lord in Matthew 16. Right here, he's learning about Jesus, and he just got a little bit of faith and was able to do things that most... One of the, one of the biggest prayers that we can pray as followers of Christ is, Jesus, give me the faith to follow you, even when it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to get out of the boat and walk on the water, but give me the faith to follow you, even when it doesn't make sense. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And push the pause button, I'm about to land the plane. Jesus fed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, women, children, 15, 20,000 people, with five loaves and two fish. And the disciples, something was going on that Jesus made them get in the boat and go to the other side. So, so he had to redirect their focus don't miss this. When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. Why did the wind stop? Because fully God, fully man, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the wind and the word was in the boat. It's just the, the metaphors are just, anyway, I'm nerding out right there, but watch this. This is, this is crazy. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Don't miss this. They didn't worship him on the side of a mountain when he did a miracle for 20,000 people. They worshiped him after he showed up and was with them in the storm. When Jesus brings you through a storm, you don't have a problem with worship. When you understand, had it not been for his word and for his presence, we wouldn't even be here. 
the whole, I'm giving you my whole heart, that's not a problem. I'm just saying that they, they worshiped him after the storm because it was only after the storm that they saw who he was. Maybe the reason God has brought you through that storm, maybe you're, the reason you're in that storm is to see who he is. As we've said before, how do you know he's a healer until you need healing? How do you know he's a provider unless you need provided for? How do you know he's a savior if you don't understand that we need to be saved? So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray over every single person in this room and watching online that's going through a storm. God, that we would pause long enough to hear your voice. Jesus, we would slow down long enough to look around. God, that we would seize the negative thoughts in our mind, the the wind. We would stop looking for the wind and start listening for the word. Knowing, Jesus, that your strength is greater than the storm we're in, the storm we're going through. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're going through a storm, maybe your prayer needs to be right where you sit right now. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, let me hear you. Maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, help me to take these negative thoughts captive. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you're watching online today and you've never given your life to Christ and you know you need to give your life to Christ. If you need to give your life to Jesus, right where you are right now, I want you to pray this in your heart. Just pray in your heart to say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come in and take over. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed in the room, if you just prayed that prayer and you're in this room, if you just put your hand in the air and leave it up because I want to pray for you. If you're online, you do the hand raise emoji because I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Father, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus that you save people. I want to thank you in the name of Jesus for salvation from hell. I want to thank you for salvation from hell on earth. Father, I want to pray for every single person going through a storm. God, right now that you would speak peace, you would speak hope, you would speak joy, and God, we would walk out of this place. We would log off of this sermon knowing that your strength is greater than our storm. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this. And everybody said, amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? I'm so glad. Hope everybody stays safe this weekend and we'll see y'all back here for baptism next Sunday.